Howdy folks, welcome to Lords of Order, a DC's Dr. Fate fan podcast. I'm your host, Ed Moore. This is episode 128 of the show. Now, if you want to feedback me, you can tweet me at Teal Productions, T-E-A-L. Teal Productions and Lords of Order both have Facebook pages as well. If you want to email the Dr. Fate Fan Podcast at g- gmail.com is the address for that. BigTimeNoise.com slash Dr. Fate is the website. You can leave comments there. And we have forums at justanotherfanboy.freeforums.com. Justice League of America, issue 73, the 1960 volume, the first volume. Issue cover dated August 1969, on sale date June 12th, 1969, courtesy of Mike's Amazing World of Comics. Now you can find this issue reprinted in Crisis on Multiple Earths, issue 2 from 2002. Justice League of America Archives, issue 9 from 1992, Showcase Presents, Justice League of America, issue 4 from 2005, The Justice League of America, The Silver Age Omnibus, number 2, from 2016, and Crisis on Multiple Earths, issue 1, Crossing Over, from 2021. All of those by DC. Now, as I talk about reprints, uh, they are available in other countries, but I use um, comics.org, the uh, Grand Comic Book Database, and the other countries are indicated by flags. And I'm too lazy to look up what the flags are, and I don't know them off the top of my head. So rather than making mistakes, I just pass those by. So if uh, some of you are listening from other countries, I apologize. I am purposefully leaving your countries out, but not out of malice, just because I'm lazy. Um, Otherwise, all the reprints are American reprints. Now on our cover, uh, which is by Mr. Joe Kubert, we have Superman, Dr. Midnight, Dr. Fate, Green Lantern, Starman, and Wonder Woman all watching as a young red-headed child rips up a lamppost, screaming, Superheroes, big deal! I can do as good as any of you even better. Now, if you are very astute, you noticed that those heroes that I listed were JSA heroes. And along with them, I listed Superman. According to the Grand Comics database, This issue is the first appearance of the Golden Age Superman of Earth 2. So, recently we talked about the first appearance of the Red Tornado of Earth 1, the android, and now we have another first appearance. Come with us to a time beyond time, a space beyond space, and hearken to the words of the Council of Living Stars. It is the finding of of our most august body that the star who has been named Aquarius is guilty of crimes most heinous. It is our verdict that Aquarius be forever banished from our presence and set to wander the void for now and all eternity. It is our further judgment that Aquarius be bereft of all energy, save that which is needed to sustain life. Let the sentence be executed. And we have all of these stars of multiple color juicing or sucking the juice away from a star in the center of their uh, august body. Thus, what had once been a living star, a sun which could think and feel, is reduced to a dim moat of living matter, cast adrift in the unimaginable nothingness between the furthest reaches of the cosmos. For countless eons, it eddies aimlessly and nurtures its 
hate. Until at last it spies a planet called Earth, and we see the gaseous form descend on the rather hairy greenish ball called Earth. Really weird looking thing. Scripted for us by Denny O'Neill, penciled by Dick Dillon, inked by Sid Green, with letters by Joe Letteris. The story entitled Starlight, Starbright, Death Star I See Tonight. And so we start our story with a meeting of the JLA, the superhero group of Earth One, Batman, Green Lantern, Adam, Hawkman, Superman, and Red Tornado yet again, as he is attempting to relay information to them, indicating that the JSA's world of Earth Two is in peril. Not just the JSA, the entire world. So we cut to Earth Two, where we're told by the narrator, the time, spring, evening, 1969, the place, a private observatory on an isolated, windswept hill. Uh, let's try that again. On an isolated, windswept hilltop in America, on Earth 2. Our world's twin, separated from us by a dimensional barrier, and the man, Ted Knight, amateur astronomer and secretly the crime-fighting starman. So he's doing some astronomical viewing here through his big telescope at the observatory, and he sees what he titles uh, a light in the eastern quadrant. And he says, well, it can't be this, it can't be that. Hmm. So since I don't know what it is, I will switch to my Starman togs and grab up my cosmic rod using a smidgen of my stellar energy and fly up and investigate. So he checks it out. He can't tell anything. He zhuzhes it with his cosmic rod. It causes a little feedback and knocks him for a loop. He runs up to it and tries to hit it with his fist, which I would think would be first before the cosmic rod, because the cosmic rod is more powerful, right? You know, increasing interception powers, but yeah. So, tries to punch it, and that doesn't work. The gaseous tendrils we now see, uh, for us, and I don't know if it's for Starman or not, but for us, we see it form a very loose body with a head, a distinctive eye, nose, mouth type head. The looking kind of like a starfish, really, with the head as one of the legs, in place of one of the legs. And then after the brief, or after the, the probing, then the zhuzhing by the star rod, then the running up and punching it, this gaseous creature reaches out and grabs hold of Ted Knight's, uh, excuse me, Starman's arm and the cosmic rod, and he separates the two, leaving Starman to plummet to Earth. At that moment, lovely Diana Drake, Dinah Drake, excuse me, Lance, and her private investigator husband, Larry, are entering Ted Knight's observatory. Now, she's bringing him some dinner, and what caught my eye was they have takeaway, but the dinner is not wrapped up and boxed up and everything like takeaway normally would. Dinah is bringing it on a tray like you would receive it if you were eating in-store and went and got it and were going to your booth to sit down caught my eye. I thought that was curious. So she and Larry are just chit-chatting away when Starman comes crashing through the skylight to the ground. Larry says, I'll give him first aid and see what I can do for him. You do your thing, honey bunch. And so she changes from a pink dress with her normal black 
hair into the garb of Black Canary, her black outfit, hose, fishnet stockings, rather, and her blonde wig, which again strikes me as odd that she went to the trouble of putting on her blonde wig. I guess she can't be Black Canary without the blonde wig. She goes outside snooping around, doesn't see anything, but while she's not paying attention, her husband Larry comes up on her and jumps her with a table leg and attempts to strike her in the back of the head. But we're told that with the grace and lithe strength of a ballet dancer, the blonde bombshell hurls her attacker head over heels into a perfectly timed judo throw and only then discovers he is Larry, her husband, because um, he attacked her from behind. And so his his butt thumping there kind of awakens him. And she's like, what were you doing? And his response is, I, I don't know. She says, Larry, there's something evil nearby. I can feel it in my bones. You finish attending to Starman while I summon the Justice League. And she presses a transmitter on her belt buckle. And the narrator tells us the girl gladiatrix sends forth a summons to. Now you ready? Hold on. Dr. Fate, magician and master manipulator of the occult. Green Lantern, high-flying, hard-hitting, power-ring crime buster. Wonder Woman, Amazon princess and foe to wrongdoers. Dr. Midnight, a blind man who does more for the cause of justice than most sighted people. And finally, the strange being from another planet whose powers and abilities are far beyond those of Earthlings, Superman. Narrator tells us some Earth 2 superheroes are counterparts of those on Earth 1, and some, as you can see, aren't. And also, in reference to Wonder Woman. Apparently, Earth 2's Wonder Woman hasn't suffered the fate of Earth 1's Diana Prince. Complete loss of amazing or of Amazon powers. But don't feel sorry for Di. She's doing all right. In fact, readers of her magazine titled The New Wonder Woman, well, no. So I guess in Wonder Woman, this would put us right in with the I Ching uh, part of a period of Wonder Woman. So she's depowered and running around in polyester suits and learning martial arts and all that. A couple summers ago, I read that small run of Wonder Woman, and it was it was pretty entertaining. Not as much as the powered Wonder Woman, but it was different. And I don't know, I kind of dug it in all its 70s um, feminist polyester flair. It was kind of cool. So we cut first to Green Lantern, who, as we learned above, is responding. This is the Golden Age Earth 2 Green Lantern. He's flying through whatever city. Might be Gotham. I think his origin city was Gotham. Uh, at this time, he could be living somewhere else. I'm not sure. I believe he's like a radio sportscaster or a TV sportscaster, something like that. So he could ply that trade theoretically anywhere. He's flying past a neon sign for coming to a theater near you, Swords Against Sorcerers. And we, as he passes, we see that the two neon tube characters come to life and come off the billboard and start fighting. Well, he, Green Lantern, manifests a giant green sword and attempts to dispatch them doing so actually fairly quickly and zooms off to resume his journey to answer Black Canary's summons. Now, in the meantime, we had a couple ads here for calling members of the Mighty Eye Patrol. This is a bike bicycle 
designed by George Barris, uh, sold by the Iverson Division of Stelbar Industries of Elmhurst, New York. And then we have a coupon for Palisades Amusement Park, free parking, which is worth $1.10. And we have Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman in that ad. All Superman, all DC Comics in May through October have the free coupon. So you also have a free ride on the Caterpillar and a free ride on the Skyplane as well as the free parking coupon. So you could get comic books and cut them up, <gasps> gasp, and get the coupons there. So wonder how many of these are extant with coupon intact. Hmm. Okay, so we cut next to Dr. Midnight, who is running through town because he's just a normal street-level dude. And he's passing a scene with uh, a gentleman, a couple, and their child. The child indicates he wants a Dr. Midnight doll. And his dad is saying, dog, look, Dr. Midnight is right here in the for real. But the boy suddenly grabs his dad and physically throws him and says, no, I want a doll. Then he runs up to a car and smashes the window. Want a doll, even if I got to break everything. Then he runs over and grabs up a light post and rips it in half out of the ground, which is our cover scene. Eh, sort of. And the woman says, the mother, presumably of the child, well, are you, you just going to stand there, Mr. Superhero, and let the brat wreck the whole city? And Dr. Midnight's like, I'm just trying to wrap my head around the fact that this little kid is running around doing all these superhero, super strength kind of things. The kid here is in the background with the light post just whapping up on the buildings and, and breaking them up. So Midnight goes to confront him and gets the, gets the gut punch from the kid. Lays him low momentarily, but he throws a blackout bomb. And when the smoke clears, the kid has returned back to normal and is crying, saying he wants his daddy. Meanwhile, as we're told next page by the narrator, another doctor, Fate. Yay! Is sweeping swiftly toward Ted Knight's estate, borne aloft by eldritch forces. So he's flying, not the running flying that we saw in the Golden Age. He's the laid out a la Superman kind of flying. And he's approaching these dark clouds as, in the, as he gets there. He indicates that his psi center detects another source of evil emanations. Psi center. Sounds almost like a, a secret place for the government or something like that, you know. In answer to the mystic mage's unspoken question, he suddenly feels a stinging, searing sensation as the air fills with droplets of fire. And he thinks, so that we know what's going on, flame instead of water spewing from the clouds. Surely some dark demon is abroad this day. So he gives the cloud some juice with an F-Z-I-T-T-C-H, Vzitch, and tells us that he has surrounded himself, Dr. Fate, with an ectoplasmic aura which will protect him while he attempts to disperse the unnatural things with an astral bolt. Well, the cloud kind of kicks back and shoves him along. So he halts his plummet and does the two-handed bolt attack, Dr. Fate does, and dissipates the storm clouds just as he gets overhead of the observatory and descends down, uh, rather falling because he has to conjure up a giant pillow to land on. And when he comes to his senses, he sees that Dr. Midnight, Green Lantern, Black Canary, and Brother Lance are all there waiting for him. 
Dr. Fate says, uh, yo, man, something is up with this clouds up in the sky right over here. And the clouds kind of congeal and coalesce and form a body holding Starman's cosmic rod. We find out because he tells us, tremble, earthlings, tremble and gaze upon Aquarius. So does this make it the age of Aquarius? Uh, Sorry, couldn't couldn't help it. So we break and go to the next section of the story. But in the meantime, we have an ad for Giant Scooter Summer Fun, number 30, looks like. So it's Scooter 30. Summertime begins with, we're told, on sale June 10th. So we go on to the much soliloquizing Aquarius here, such that he is showing multiple emotions. In one panel, he's laughing open-mouthedly. In the previous panel, he is crying. We actually see little cosmic, cloudy, stardusty kind of tears. Green Lantern states, absolutely uproarious. And Dr. Midnight says, it doesn't take a medical man to recognize those symptoms. He's manic depressive with a generous dose of schizophrenia thrown in. Nowadays, the manic depressive might still be used, but I believe the term schizophrenia is no longer in vogue. I believe it's a different reference. In other words, mad as a hatter, says Black Canary. Well, that is something we would definitely not say today, right? Mad as a hatter. That's very uh, hurtful words, and somebody needs to safe space. Yeah, sorry. Uh, Larry Nance uh, also adds some quips here. Uh, Tells the JSAers that, hey, I will distract him while you guys do what you do so well. You do the voodoo that you do. So he starts talking to Aquarius, and Aquarius starts talking to him. Meanwhile, arriving now is Red Tornado and the Golden Age Earth 2 Superman, along with Wonder Woman, all the muscle. Well, and Red Tornado. So Red Tornado tells him this This is the evil that I felt. This is what we need to defeat. So Superman jumps right in and cracks this congealed, gaseous, dusty dude in the jaw just to have him get pissed and zap Superman with a bolt from the cosmic rod. So Starman isn't the only one that knows how to operate the cosmic rod. I'm not sure if I've seen other regular people know how to activate it. But Aquarius does. Maybe because it's a cosmic rod, they've got some kind of simpatico thing going. I don't know. Something to think about. Maybe Starman needs to put like a safety on that cosmic rod so it doesn't accidentally go off. So now Wonder Woman comes up and joins the fray. And she is going to attempt to lasso the cosmic rod. But Aquarius moves too too quickly, noticing what she was trying to do. So she stops and turns her attention to Superman, who has been KTFO'd, and we see him laying on the ground here. Uh, in an attempt to keep this an all-ages podcast, I won't define what KTFO stands for. But those of you of a more adult bent know. Dr. Midnight in this panel, yet if Aquarius so easily beat the strongest of us, Superman and Wonder Woman, what can we do around the gathered faces of he, Green Lantern, Black Canary, uh, Wonder Woman, although he's referencing Wonder Woman, Mr. Nance, and Dr. Fate. Larry Nance yells out, or exclaims, he doesn't really yell, but he exclaims, I'll tell you what you can do, what any man can do, superhero or not, you can try. And Dr. Fate finishes up the thought, Larry Lance, I've been calling him Nance, I'm sorry, Larry Nance is a basketball player. 
Larry Lance puts us to shame. We can try, and we shall. So now they attack Aquarius in mass, and page, what is this, 24-ish, 25 somewhere? Full page spread. Aquarius, who's looking kind of chunky here, drawn kind of fuzzy, gaseous, dusty, coalesced kind of creature that he is. Humanoid, bipedal, holding the star rod, and emanating from him is a series of crimson rays, all of varying thicknesses, okay? And between the rays are images of different aspects of Earth. We have some kind of tribal dude with a bone through his nose, whatever, what is that? Is that the frenulum or something like that, the bottom part of your nose? Got a bone going through that. I don't think that would work today, but several human beings looking at a television, a farm, the mm, Austin something prize calf maybe on the on the farm here. A gentleman looking down a street uh, with a car and other people walking around as if not knowing anything is going on. A big freighter in the ocean. A polar bear looking up at the sky. We are told that the very core of Earth itself, touching every living being, and all fade like stars in the dawn. Nothing more. Simply fade and are no longer there. No longer anywhere. Kind of a James T. Kirk kind of writing there. Uh, then we cut to, we see that Dr. Fate has surrounded our JSAers in an ectoplasmic shield. So saved from destruction have been Superman, Wonder Woman, Dr. Fate, Larry Lance, Green Lantern, Black Canary, and Dr. Midnight. Everyone else on Earth 2 has been poofed into nothingness. Kind of like that TV commercial of the order, odor removal stuff, you know? Poof, if you guys have seen it. Uh, it was on several times this morning, so it comes to mind. Uh, Aquarius faces off. So they're, they're in a bubble, right? All of our JSAers and Larry Lance. Normal human size. Aquarius is gigantic, so he's looking in this bubble like you would a fishbowl or a snow globe, right? That is the the size comparison. Telling the JSAers that, oh, don't worry, I will figure out how to get in your little bubble, my pretties, and get rid of you just like I just got rid of your Earth. And we have a thought here from Dr. Fate. I dare not tell the others lest Aquarius overhear me. We have a single slim hope. And the narrator tells us a single slim hope. For an instant before Aquarius committed his final fearsome act, Dr. Fate sent a telepathic mass sent a telepathic message to the red tornado. Go to Earth One. Contact the Justice League. Tell them of our plight. And he thinks I'll I'll do my best. And so, this is why the Red Tornado, we find out for the past two weeks, two weeks, have been trying to talk to the JLA members, who in attendance are the Atom, Superman, Hawkman, Batman, and Green Lantern. I'll signal our missing members. We'll need all the help we can get, says Hawkman, as we cut at the end of this story. Finishing up the book, we have a an ad for king-size matchbox models, and then the power of self-defense, but it's not the Black Dragon, or whatever his name was. This is a different one. 
a letter from national publications indicating why they had to raise their prices, followed by an ad for Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen issue 122. Letters are next up from, uh, let's see here, Frank Rizzo, Leon Dornbaum, Steve Grabinski, and Dave Truesdale, for those of you that are letter hack fans. An ad for the Cold Front Knights set or the Fighting Ships um, ships and Aeroplane set. The Woods Edge game set of ground-based World War II troop playset. Or the uh, Cannonball looks like Civil War playset. So two succeeding pages, each with two sets of those uh, little hard plastic toys that you used to be be able to get. We finish up with a couple more here. Let's see, what is this? A An ad for Christmas cards that you can get from Wallace Brown of White Plains, New York. And the Now Race Your Hot Wheels on the Supercharger Race playset. Those tracks that were just wide enough for the cars and you send them around and then there's a a motorized um, thing that the car goes through and it, it shoots it back out, speeds it up on the track and allows it to complete one loop. And so you can, yes, one of those type tracks that's on the back, back outside back cover. All right. So that is the first half of the Justice League of America 73 slash 74 J-L-A-J-S-A team-up, including Red Tornado and the first appearance of the Golden Age Superman of Earth 2. Justice League of America 74 is the book I'll be looking at next time. Talk to you guys then. Ciao.